Arkansas Row Crops Radio, providing up-to-date information and timely recommendations on row crop production in Arkansas. Hello and welcome to the Weeds Are Wild podcast series as a part of Arkansas Row Crops Radio. This is Tom Barber, Extension Weed Scientist for the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. Uh, Today, unfortunately, for all of our listeners, I don't have a guest, so you'll have to bear with me and and, uh, fight through this and just listen to me today. I know to me, this seems a lot more interesting when a couple people are are having a, a conversation uh, on these, but uh, I did want to take some time and, and cover some topics that we've been hearing and seeing in the field. And then also uh, just remind you of some field days that are coming up in the future that you might uh, want to show up to and, and see some of the work that's being done, uh, some of the two, the new technology being used, uh, so forth and so on. So uh, first, let's touch on field days. So write this down, uh, August 5th, is our rice field day in Stuttgart at the Rice Research and Extension Center there. Uh, registration uh, I have a, in front of me starts at 7.30 in the morning. And so uh, get a full day. I think it goes through 11, 11.30, ends with lunch like usual. And uh, this is going to be back and live in person. So I know last year uh, our field days were kind of canceled uh, at the last minute there due to COVID. but uh, And we had some virtual options there. But but this year, uh, our field days are back in person. So Rice Field Day, August 5th in Stuttgart at the Rice Research and Extension Center. And then August 10th uh, is the Soybean College that's coming up. And it's at the Jackson County Extension Center uh, at Newport, formerly the Newport Extension Center. So um, again, August 5th at Stuttgart for Rice, August 10th at Newport at the Jackson County Extension Center for the Soybean College. Now the Soybean College is a little different because it's a lot more hands-on. For those of you that have attended attended in the past, there'll be uh, six or seven stops and uh, it lasts pretty much all day. And we break everybody into groups of of six or seven. And so uh, I believe this year we've got it set for six groups uh, as of right now. And again, Jeremy Ross is the contact on that, I know he's put some uh, information out on social media, such as Twitter, on our Arkansas Row Crops blog. So if you want to go to the Soybean College, you have to register for that. Uh, it, the registration is capped at 130 uh, individuals. And so if you're thinking about going, if you wanna go, uh, there is a cost. The registration is $100 per person. Uh, but we limit to that 130 individuals again because those smaller groups is where we really get a lot of that interaction uh, that I feel is beneficial and it's a little more hands-on walking through the research plots uh, and actually participating uh, in in that uh, learning information. And so anyway, again, August 10th at Newport at the Jackson County Extension Center, registration at 7.30. There is no on-site registration. That's just kind of where you sign up and take your uh, name tag or whatever and sign in. You have to register online and you can do that. Again, uh, contact Jeremy Ross. Uh, If you follow him on Twitter, I know he tweeted that out, I believe last week, but uh, you can also go to our Arkansas Row Crops blog. Just simply Google Arkansas Row Crops uh, blog and then several stories down, you can click on that link and there's a link to registration there. 
Uh, as a side note, well, there is uh, construction happening at this Jackson County Center as we're building our new uh, office building. And so uh, this week they started on the metal for the outside of the structure. And so hopefully uh, by the time the college takes place, uh, we'll be in the dry and most of the construction will be indoors, but just be aware that uh, there will be construction workers on site, a lot of construction equipment. Uh, we're actually gonna meet out on the farm versus meeting at the, uh, the current office building. And so uh, more details to come as we get closer to the event, but uh, just know and be aware that there will be uh, construction on site. So be careful as, as you go through uh, the front part of the center and drive through out, out to the farm where we're gonna meet. Uh, it is exciting that we're having this construction going on. I know uh, we were sitting in a waiting period for so long, it was really frustrating because we were waiting on a, a moisture check to come back on our pad before we could start. But uh, now I think I prayed a little too hard for the rain to stop early in May because now we're praying really hard uh, for the rain to start back. We haven't had a rain there at, uh, at Newport in quite some time, maybe going on 60 days now. So. Uh, it's been really dry and the crops right there in that area are really struggling to, uh, and irrigation is struggling to keep up uh, with the heat and, and just the fact that we, we, can't, we have not seen any uh, help for rainfall, so to speak of. Um, other than that, that kind of sets the stage for uh, the rest of the discussion today on the podcast. Um, and I guess I want to move in and, you know, this time of the year, the common questions that I get uh, really relate a lot to grass control or pigweed control and just the fact that we're struggling. Uh, a lot of it is due to the heat and dry conditions in many instances, but a lot of it's just due to weed size as well and the herbicides that we have available uh, this time of year. So usually in July, for the most part, we've either been successful at controlling weeds or we're just making revenge applications at this point. And so uh, there's a lot of, uh, on these larger grasses, larger pigweed, we're just really not going to be able to take those out with, with the herbicides, uh, given the time of year and, and the size of those weeds. It's very, very difficult. And so a lot of these we'll just live with, you know, and we are, especially from a pigweed standpoint, we always recommend removing those escapes, if by all possible, by hand or whatever means necessary, pulling them, uh, if it's feasible. Uh, just because of the added amount of pressure they'll add next year uh, with the seed that they produce this year. And so we want to remove those populations out of the field prior to them uh, producing seed. And it will really set us miles ahead uh, for next season. Uh, don't want those going to seed. And so, and that's really in a sense, in a soybean scenario, you know, that is the justification behind this seed destructor is uh, we're gonna remove that seed from the environment, from the seed bank, uh, so it doesn't cause us trouble next year. And it's the same uh, when we talk about the zero program, zero tolerance program in cotton. We wanna remove those Palmer amaranth or pigweed populations prior to them setting seed uh, in the field. I have been getting a lot of questions in cotton on lay-by options. And I know a lot of our producers or farmers have uh, moved away from using lay-by bars or hooded sprayers to post-direct herbicide. Uh, this year, I'm, I am getting more and more questions about that uh, just because of the, the pigweed pressure and, 
and uh, some of the troubles we're having controlling, and just because we have a lot later crop. And the later crop we have, the more we're going to fight that pigweed uh, late in the season. And so a lot of questions, though, have come around uh, peroxisulfone, which is a herbicide component in Zidua or Anthem Flex, and uh, questions about, you know, how low in the canopy can we make those applications, or do they need to be made in, to reduce the injury? And so Zidua uh, or Anthem Flex, neither one are, are registered over the top. Of course, Anthem Flex has AIM in it uh, or Carfentrazone. So any leaves that you touch uh, with a post-direct rig or a drop nozzle while using Anthem Flex uh, will burn because of the AIM in the compound in the in the herbicide formulation. So uh, just be aware of that. The lower, the better. On the Anthem Flex, on Zidua, it's been my experience, as long as we keep it out of the terminal, uh, we reduce that injury. And uh, Zidua does work on the majority of the pigweed populations that we have in the state. And if we're watering down the middles, uh, we can get activity and, and activate that herbicide. Uh, by running that water, just understand that as you move up on the beds, you know, our activation is going to be less the higher we get on, on top of that bed just because we don't get a uh, good soak usually this time of year in the upper portion of those beds. And so the activation is only as good as where the water uh, is moving. And also after that first watering, you know, we, we tend to, uh, the water moves a lot quicker um, down the middles. And so for activating these herbicides, we really need that water to soak in uh, to give us good activation. So, uh, you know, talk to your irrigation specialist about that. I'm by no means an irrigation specialist, but uh, we have seen some differences there once the ground gets slicked off and our water moves through the field uh, at a rapid pace. And so we want to get good activation of these uh, residual herbicides if we're putting them out in a lay-by scenario. Uh, Fierce is a combination of Valor and uh, Zidua or Valor and Peroxisulfone. And it is a great combination to use as a post-direct or hooded application. Uh, but anytime we use Valor in that scenario, we need to make sure that our cotton is what we call barked up. So we want three or four inches of bark at the bottom of that stalk uh, to harden off that stalk so the Valor doesn't actually burn uh, that green tissue. I have seen instances where we put that out a little early get it a little high on the plant and, and Valor can actually pinch uh, that stem uh, sometimes because it burns it so much, it'll pinch and, and fall over. But again, as long as that cotton's barked up good uh, at the bottom, uh, Valor or Fierce, Valor containing herbicides are an option. Diuron is another cheap option for lay-by. Diuron plus MSMA plus Roundup or Glufosinate uh, is probably one of my favorite options just because uh, even in, when we have instances of PPO-resistant palmer or pigweed, uh, that diuron still has good activity on those, on those populations. And so it gives us another mode of action for uh, palmer control in a, in a hooded or lay-by application. So um, again, that's just options. The other thing that we've started looking at recently, uh, and Larry, Dr. Larry Steckel and I talked about this a little uh, on the last podcast I did, but is evaluating herbicides that are coated or impregnated on fertilizer. And so uh, talk to him again, his, his plots look promising. I know I looked at mine yesterday uh, and what we did just to give you an idea is we just, we coated uh, 
3.25 ounce equivalent of Zidua onto ammonium sulfate is the, is the one that we used uh, just for ease and in, in putting out in the plots. You can use other uh, blends if you want, but ammonium sulfate, uh, we put it out, I think, three weeks ago now. And so uh, we also have, we're evaluating that compared to a drop nozzle application of uh, peroxisulfone azidua, as, as well as diurons. We're va- evaluating diuron on the, on the fertilizer as well, coating it on the fertilizer. And I'll just tell you, after application, we did see some injury in the diuron coated fertilizer, wherever those uh, fertilizer pellets uh, would hit the leaf and melt on the leaf, you can see the effect of diuron on that leaf. Much like if you get that lay-by bar a little high for those of you that remember when we used to do that. And so, and remember what that used to look like. And so, but with Zidua, we didn't see any injury like that. And so, uh, you know, my opinion, a couple of years looking at this, the the Zidua on the, you know, Coating fertilizer with Zidua or impregnating it with Zidua is, uh, looks to be a good option to give us some residual control uh, as a lay-by application. Now, obviously, if there are pigweed or palmer plants up when we make that application, uh, we're not going to control those. And so we're going to have to get those out another way. But um, as far as providing a residual barrier, it can work. Now, it works much better if we can get a rain or if we're growing cotton under a pivot irrigation system, uh, again, we can get activation with our fur irrigation, but uh, it's not going to be quite as good up on the beds, you know, where we get those, uh, where the Zidua's uh, coated on the fertilizer that lands on the beds. It's not going to be activated as easily. And so really need a rain to get the best use out of that, uh, out of that method. So anyway, uh, just an update on that. The other thing I want to talk a little bit about, and I'll include uh, soybeans in this as well, is uh, this year, for whatever reason, I have been called to a lot of fields and walking a lot of fields of cotton and soybean, both uh, with uh, spray contamination. And it's really, you know, name a herbicide, and I think I've walked in it either cotton or beans this year. It's, uh, for whatever reason, whether it's a uh, you know, we're just in a hurry. We have few spray days. Uh, I don't know what all the reasons kind of add up to, uh, but herbicide contamination, in my opinion, has been a pretty big issue this year. Um, and so, you know, we've had a lot of spray schools talking about cleaning out the sprayers. And I think Cleaning out the sprayer has not been as big of an issue for us this year, just in my opinion of what I've walked as cleaning out the mixed tank or the, the truck that provides the water and the mixing that and maybe the totes of, of uh, herbicide. And so keeping in mind that that long hose that connects from that mixed vat and water tank to the sprayer, you know, a lot of those may contain 30 gallons of product. And if we don't adequately flush those out uh, in between swapping to different crops or different, uh, you know, tolerances of crop, uh, we can get some injury. And uh, some of these herbicides that we're using, uh, just some examples. So peanut, uh, for those that are trying uh, cadre in their peanut, 
production systems. You really got to get that cleaned out before we move to cotton. That is very, cotton is very sensitive to cadre. And so seen some instances where that, you know, that can really shut down a cotton crop. So be very careful with that. Um, another one, you know, Python, if we're making Python applications into soybeans and then we move to cotton, uh, you know, Python's very good on teaweed. We've had teaweed problems in, in beans uh, since we're moving to an oxen-based system or since we have moved to that system. And so for using Python in the beans and then we quick switch to cotton, we'll see that in the cotton. So you gotta be very careful about that one. Uh, the obvious ones are, are 2,4-D. If we're spraying Enlist 1 uh, in an Enlist system and then we move to non-Enlist cotton, you know, it's very easy to see symptoms in that scenario. Same scenario for, for you know, dicamba in non-extend or extend flex beans. And so, uh, you know, those are the ones that come to the top of my mind right off the bat. The other issue that that we're seeing is with our STS beans. And so this year, more than any other, uh, we have either, you know, got confused on what beans we were planting in the field, or we got another load of beans and maybe they weren't what we thought they were, but uh, we've got a lot of yellow nut sedge as a problem. And because of that, I know a lot of growers have been spraying Permit Plus on their STS beans, which is a recommendation. But it seems to me like this year more than any other again, or, you know, we're losing track of where we're planting these STS beans or, uh, you know, maybe halfway through the field, we plant them and then we think we're continuing on through the field with STS, but they're actually not. Uh, so, you know, just double checking in the future, it's, it's really too late to, to do anything about that now, but double checking in the future and making sure we can keep good records and of, of where we've planted what's going to be beneficial. And, and mistakes happen, especially in a year like this. There's a lot, it's a high stressful year of, you know, getting everything in and getting everything done. Uh, but, uh, you know, these STS or ALS herbicides uh, are, can be very injurious to our non-STS beans to the point of where we have to replant the field. And so, uh, keeping track of where that technology is planted um, is, is crucial going forward, in my opinion. And that's just, you know, again, some things that we've been walking in the field. Uh, I know just by driving around, uh, you know, wherever we've planted Enlist or conventional beans or straight Liberty beans that are not uh, tolerant to dicamba, we are seeing uh, a lot of symptoms of dicamba on those beans, uh, much like we did last year. I'm getting a lot of questions now about what can we do with those beans as far as, is there anything I can spray to, to uh, you know, turn them around or get them to grow out of it quicker. And I believe Jeremy Ross, our soybean specialist has done some work on that. And basically the answer is no, uh, there's really nothing we can do other than eliminating the stresses uh, that we can control. And so, it's hot and dry. We can't do anything about the heat, but we can water the beans. And so we need to make sure that uh, we're getting adequate water to these beans so they can metabolize, uh, whether it's dicamba on non-dicamba beans or whether it's injury uh, from these other herbicides I've talked about. There's nothing really we can apply or spray that pulls our crop out of that situation, uh, you know, in a rapid fashion. And so, just keeping those beans irrigated, keeping the cotton irrigated when necessary, 
uh, to eliminate that drought stress as much as possible, uh, to me is the most important in, uh, factor moving forward uh, to try to grow out of some herbicide injury. But other than that, I mean, it's just the typical questions of, um, you know, what happens when I spray uh, glufosinate or Liberty over the top of beans that are blooming. And, and of course we've done that a lot in the past and yes, you can knock some blooms uh, off of those beans uh, when you do that. But the question is, can you not do it uh, because of the pigweed that are growing in the field? And so, uh, you know, those, that type is, of uh, answer is more situational. Uh, for me, I need to control that pigweed number one to help my beans compete and, and have an efficient harvest, but number two, to uh, have a productive season next year. And so um, again, but yes, if you do spray glufosinate when those beans are blooming, you can uh, uh, likely expect to knock uh, some of those blooms off in a lot of cases. Um, so anyway, uh, that's basically all I had for this week. I know that uh, maybe not next week, but the, I think we moved to a two week period um, in between these podcasts. And so uh, the next podcast, to my knowledge, uh, Dr. Tommy Butts is going to include some of our graduate students, uh, his graduate student and possibly mine to talk about their projects and uh, get a little update from them. So uh, which I think will be good uh, to hear from them. And so one other thing I'll mention, I'm going to try to send out if you're not uh, if you don't get our texts, uh, if you're not signed up to receive our text when we text updates out and everything, uh, go ahead and text WEEDS to 501-300-8883. That's 501-300-8883. And if you text WEEDS to that number, uh, you'll get our text updates. And so what I'm going to do uh, when I conclude this podcast is I'm going to send out a, a text for the registration for the soybean college and uh, so for those of you that that want to sign up can sign up that way uh, if you receive those text messages so again i want to thank say thank you to all our listeners thank you for the support uh if you need anything we're just a phone call away and uh we just want to thank everybody for for listening to this episode of the weeds are wild podcast series on arkansas row crops radio Arkansas Row Crops Radio is a production of the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. For more information, please contact your local county extension agent or visit uaex.uada.edu.